You know, I'm so upset with uh, SPF because if he hadn't done what he had done, I think Bitcoin would have been at like 30 or 35,000 today because we're just getting more and more and more good news on the macro on the macro front. In fact, today we've got the PPI numbers. The PPI numbers show that inflation or producer inflation has come down by half a percent. Uh, it was forecast to be 8.3. It's 8 and the last reading was 8.5. And what that's done is it has sent the NASDAQ up by 2%. And imagine, imagine what would happen if uh, if SPF hadn't done what he'd done. We're going to talk about SPF today. We've got Mr. Wonderful coming up, and I've got a lot of questions that I want to ask uh, Kevin O'Leary today on the show. Uh, I've got seven or eight bits of good news for you. I've got some juice for you on uh, SPF and FTX. Um, yeah, there's lots happening here today. I'm debating whether I should play you guys a video, knowing that I'm going to get a copyright strike on YouTube. What do you think, Carl? I mean, we know, I know I'm going to get a copyright strike. Should I just play it anyway? I'm going to play it anyway. I'm going to play it anyway. Let's let's start off today's uh, uh, um, uh, show slightly different. Let's go. JP Morgan of this generation, Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX. The Michael Jordan of crypto, if you will. <laughs> I'm here with my boy Sam from FTX. We're at Crypto Bahamas Conference. Where it began. Do you still have enough cash if you needed to do another bailout? Yeah, yeah, we did. It did not make sense to me where he was getting all this cash. People just kept telling me, oh, his market maker Alameda is just printing cash. Wasn't the spring. Maybe a Bitcoin company goes to zero. I'd like to sacrifice somebody, not me, of course, but somebody, and I'm not levered, but somebody out there is, and they're going to zero. Yeah, absolutely. could pull it off without my math degree. <laughs> Use very little math. Um, Use a lot of like uh, elementary school math. If there's ever a place I could be that I'm not going to get in trouble, it's going to be at FTX. I talked to him for about half an hour, and uh, I don't mind. My bullshit meter like was like redlining. Red. Lost a ton of money. Um, well, I don't know. I probably don't want to go into specifics too much yeah, with that. <laughs> Photos from overhead show crews already removing the giant FTX logo. So I'm going to fly to Washington, and I want regulation. Oh, sweet Caroline. What have you done, Caroline? What have you done? What have you done? All right, welcome back, guys. Another big show today. If you're new to our channel, subscribe to our channel. You, Our subscribers are, are absolutely, absolutely flying. I must thank you guys. People that have been uh, subscribed, uh, welcome to the family. And if you're here, listen, like this content, give us some positive comments because, again, we're getting shadow banned. And every time we do, you guys help us. And today I've got a massive guest here with Kevin O'Leary. You, you, you should know how hard it is to try and get Kevin O'Leary on a, on, at a time like this, but uh, our Frederico, Mr. Fred, has, uh, has managed to get him on. So, uh, lots to do today. Uh, as I said, I'm going to bring you the highest alpha per miniature on the internet. What you got to do is smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and let's do this. Let's go, 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 go. Let's start off by looking at the markets. Let's look at uh, Bitcoin. Um, as I said, as I said at the intro, I'm so upset because you got Bitcoin here at 16,884. Who knows where Bitcoin would be if it wasn't uh, for SPF because the producer price index numbers came out. 8% means that inflation is now well under control. Um, it means that the Fed is probably only going to increase the next interest rate hike on the 14th of December by 50 basis points, which is great news. And it's making the traditional markets run. And you've got the NASDAQ now, the futures, the December futures back above 12,000, 12, which is uh, quite good. In fact, let's quickly go look at where we or how much we've already climbed 
in November. So if we take, if we go to November, let's we can just go to the beginning of November. So that's let's just say from the lows of November, the Nasdaq is currently up 13%, which is amazing. It shows that the, the inflation problem is now, I'm not going to say under control, but it's showing signs that, that it's under control, which is, um, which is great news. It's great news for macro. And if macro was crashing, I don't know where crypto would be. So I'm glad that at least on the macro front, we have got some good news and inflation seems to be pretty much under control. Um, some other tokens that we're watching or other charts that we're watching, the Dixie, look at the Dixie, look at this. So the Dixie is now back at 105. And you see the next critical level that we're looking at is this 104, uh, 104.7, 104.689. That's the next level that we want to go down. But right now, look at that Dixie. It's broken through the parabola. And yeah, I mean, great. Absolutely amazing news um, uh, uh, from a macro point of view. The other token which I'm watching, I'm watching crypto.com. You know that both Kyle and Sheldon called this token yesterday. Well done, Kyle. Uh, you called it at 59 cents. Uh, I got in a little bit after you. I got in like 62 cents. Uh, back at 73 cents, I'm out there. So I don't, I don't, I don't often trade, but uh, in this case, I'm pretty much out. Um, let's quickly look at the Sam Bankman-Fried situation because I think all eyes are on his Twitter account. And what was going on here, I don't know if you guys were following. I was certainly watching this. Uh, it started off by what, ha, pa, pa, what happened. And he basically spelt it out over a couple of hours. And then he went on and said, not legal advice, not financial advice. This is all as I remember it, but my memory might be faulty in parts. And then he says, I'll get to what happened. But for now, let's talk about where we are today. Who knows what is going through this guy's mind? I mean, it's absolutely crazy what's going on uh, in, in his mind right now to be tweeting like this at a time where he's pretty much wrecked an entire industry. I mean, the, the, the number of people and the number of funds that have been wrecked and the backlash that this industry is facing. We're going to look at some of that backlash today before we speak to Mr. Wonderful, uh, because I want his comments on some of the backlash that this industry is getting. But Sam Bankman-Fried thinks that it's okay to continue to tweet like this. Um, and I wonder if he's alluding to this Hillary Clinton book. I wonder if there's any um, link between this, what happened, and the Hillary Clinton book. I mean... I wonder, I wonder if it is. Um, in the meantime, there are reports from the Wall Street Journal that he's trying to raise cash to repay customers after the company's bankruptcy filing. Now, I wonder if he is trying to raise cash to, to, to repay customers. What is he selling? What is he raising cash for? What is the vehicle that he's using to raise cash for? Because he can't be using FTX assets. He can't be using Alameda assets. So what assets uh, is he using to actually raise cash? Crazy. Crazy to think what's going on. We're going to keep you guys up, up, uh, up to date on that story. Um, speaking of stories, the New York Times wrote a story about Sam Bankman-Fried. Very, 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 very strange. I mean, really strange. And when I say to you really strange, this is, the, this is the, the article. I'm not going to bore you with the whole article. It's a very long article. But there are a couple of things here which, which are probably worth noting. For one, he says um, he is getting sleep. He says, you would have thought that I'd be getting no sleep right now, but instead I am getting some sleep. He says it could be worse. I mean, I don't know how much worse it could be. Um, he claims also that he is uh, playing, playing video games and specifically he's touting a specific video game which he owns, which is crazy. Uh, also in this article, what he admitted was he admitted that Alameda was leveraging positions on FTX 
and that he wasn't aware of how big the FTX leverage was, the Alameda uh, research leverage was on FTX, which is another almost admission of uh, what's going on here. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy article. And this article has come under fire by a lot of people because they're kind of going, look, you, you know, you've just written an article on what is possibly or probably the biggest fraud that's happened in the crypto industry and maybe even the biggest fraud that's happened in financial markets for a long time. It's bigger than Bernie Madoff, if you look, uh, you look at the numbers. And right now, that's the article that the New York Times has published. And even Elon Musk, who's watching this from his empire, by the way, um, he says, why the puff piece, New York Times? Uh, interestingly enough, if you look at the numbers that Elon Musk's Twitter is now generating in terms of media, the numbers that Elon Musk's Twitter is generating in media is actually bigger than the numbers that CNBC and CNN generate. Um, I did have a numbers for you. In fact, I'll get you guys. Here we go. Here are the numbers. Just to give you an idea of how big these Twitter spaces are. Over 591,000 uh, people tuned into Mario's Twitter space. Uh, over 307,000 tuned into this Twitter space. So the numbers of these Twitter spaces are absolutely huge. And now Elon Musk is now saying to the, to the, to the New York Times, I mean, what is this puff piece? We're also um, getting reports, or we, he, he mentioned in the article, that Alameda Research, he didn't mention the article, but we are getting reports, that Alameda Research was actually front-running FTX. So remember, they would invest in projects knowing that FTX is going to list them, and then they dump them on people. Basically, buying secret tokens ahead, and CoffeeZilla was one of the guys that, that, uh, that uh, popped it out. And so now what we're getting is we're getting SPF deleting a whole lot of tweets, but not to worry. You know, you know how the internet is. The internet's got a good log of those tweets. Uh, you can go and get that log at this Twitter account here, at the TLO. They've got uh, links to all of SPF's, is SPF's tweets and specifically the, one that he's, uh, the ones that he's deleting. Um, and that's where we are now. And what we're doing now is we're dealing with the backlash of and the industry backlash and the casualties of what happened. I think the worst is over. I think we got the storm and I think the eye of the storm has moved and now we've got to pick up the pieces. And every day we're hearing of more pieces that fell. Last night, uh, Travis Kling from Ikigai, which is a, a fund, he said that he's got some pretty bad news. Ikigai was caught up in the FTX collapse where the major read this, the, major the large majority of the hedge funds total assets we're on FTX. By the time we withdrew on Monday morning, we got very little out. We're now stuck alongside everything else. We've been in constant communication with our investors since Monday. The amount of support we've received has been astonishing, given the circumstances and deeply heartwarming. It was entirely my fault, not anyone else's. I lost my investors' money after they put my faith in me to manage risk, and I'm truly sorry for that. I've publicly endorsed FTX many times, and I'm truly sorry for that. I was wrong. There's a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen next. In the very near term, Ikigai is going to continue trading the assets that we have left that are not stuck on FTX. We're also going to make a decision about what to do with our venture fund, which is unaffected by FTX. Over the coming weeks and months, the timeline and potential recovery for FTX customers will become clearer. Right now, it's really hard to say. Uh, at some point, we'll, we'll make a better call on whether Ikigai is going to continue going or whether we'll just go into wind down mode. So possibly another big fund. You've got to ask yourself a question, though. You've got to, you've got to ask yourself a question is it negligence for a fund who's dealing with outside money to leave the large majority, and I'm only quoting Travis, to leave the large majority of their capital on an exchange, on a centralized exchange? Now, I know we all trusted SPF and FTX, but I mean, isn't it 
the role of the compliance officer or the risk officer in the company to say, look, as much as you trust FTX and as much as you need to trade, you cannot be trading, you cannot have the large majority of the fund's assets on one exchange. It's simply, it's, I mean, I want to say it's negligent. I want to say it's negligent. And I'm sure that investors in this fund uh, will probably take some legal action against this fund at some point and ask the fund some tough questions as to why. And as I said, this is the problem. These collapses are hurting investors and we're giving ammunition to the outside world, uh, even at, at the Fed level, even at the Fed level, Brainard says it appears that cryptocurrency is not as decentralized, but rather extremely concentrated and in interconnected. We had Charlie Munger. Now we know that Charlie Munger is not a big fan of crypto. Munger, of course, is not quick more to ammunition. The value Just more of ammunition. Technology like the blockchain over the potential danger of a speculative, risky, or even as he calls it, demented venture like cryptocurrency. But you've got a good idea. It's much easier to push that to wretched excess. That's why good ideas carried to wretched excess become bad ideas. And once you've got that concept in your mind, of course, it's always going to be some good idea. Nobody's going to say, I've got some that I want to sell you. <laughs> yeah, that's a blockchain. It's, it's, I, I, blockchain. I mean, blockchain is a new good thing that's come up like fairy dust. We're giving, we're giving them ammunition. We get this, it, though, these kind of things give people like Charlie Munger and the naysayers ammunition. And there's a lot of other backlash in the media. For one, there may be pushback against the Democrats. Listen to this. This is, I mean, this is Ken Griffin. Now he's known to be a big donor to the Republicans. He is the CEO of Citadel. Um, listen to what he said yesterday. That, that all of us are worried about. You know, on the balance, he has a line called Trump lose. And Sam was the second biggest donor to Democratic candidates. I'm going to leave it to everybody else to draw their own conclusions about what you're saying here. fraud of this magnitude having played out and you find no regulators were there to prevent it. That's a really, really tough story. We could see a lot of questions, a lot of questions to the regulators. Where the hell were the regulators? Now I saw that there are groups who are demanding, um, who are demanding notes, all notes uh, from the meetings that SBF had with Gary Gensler. And because we know that SBF met with Gary Gensler, and now there are groups that are demanding that they release all, no all meeting notes around the, the meetings that Gary Gensler had with SBF. And of course, a lot of questions now about where the hell were the regulators? That's one of the questions that, I, that I've got on my mind that I want to ask Kevin O'Leary, who's with us here. Kev, how are you, my friend? Very good. Thank you. Are you very good, though? After the well, I mean, listen, I, you know, I, I, I could be happier. There's no question. But I, I must tell you, I, I've made bad investments i've made good investments some work out some don't this is a bad investment it's not my first it won't be my last but luckily i make more good investments than bad ones so you have to deal with reality um you made a good point that um i learned a long time ago as an investor so i don't take uh, concentrated institutional risk my my holdings are in many different locations for exactly this reason so uh and, and that is, if you're a fiduciary for, for an operating company, as I am, 
you do that just out of habit because you never know what's going to happen to any one institution at any one time. And that is our situation with FTX. However, we took a huge hit. Um, I'm a shareholder, was a shareholder of FTX International, a shareholder of FTX US. We had uh, multiple accounts on the FTX platform, which are completely locked out now. Um, they have zero balances. I've talked to many other institutional investors that use the platform. They also have zero balances. Uh, obviously, everybody's talking to their accountants and lawyers and auditors and compliance departments about this. It's, it's an extraordinary situation. But at the same time, if it has a silver lining, what I think it's going to be is um, I was just yesterday at the governor's convention in Orlando talking to lawmakers. The amount of pressure uh, regulators are getting today about this situation is extreme. It's, it's the number one issue now in financial services. So these bills like the uh, Transparency Act for stablecoins and the Digital Commodity Act, which have been you know sitting around, floating around forever and not moving forward for whatever reason you can speculate, are now getting new focus. And we're going to have to push some regulation. In the meantime, um, I'm moving my assets off all unregulated exchanges and we're putting them in Canada where we can find a regulated exchange um, company called Bitbuy, uh, public, and the name of the company is Wonderfy that trades there. So we bought shares. We, we own a piece of the company. And so that gives us access to, you know, the statements the company's making. In addition, it's regulated by the OSC, which is the equivalent of the SEC, the Ontario Securities Commission. There is no commingling of accounts. The assets cannot be lent out. They are scrutinized by the regulator. Um, proof of assets scrutinized but, by yeah, the regulator. Yeah. So that's Sorry, what we're gonna, doing. We're, we're, we're moving it all there. I'm going to have to interrupt you there because isn't it sad and wrong that as an American, you have to be moving your assets, assets out of the USA into a, a, a different country because the regulators in the United States just can't get the act together. Why is it that the neighbors on the North have a Bitcoin ETF approved and have these kind of products approved and yet in the United States, where the most people got affected by FTX, the regulators are nowhere to be seen. You're absolutely right. It, it is the question of the hour. But at the same time, I have a fiduciary obligation to protect these assets. I'm certainly as hell not putting them in an unregulated exchange. No chance. And I'm not putting it on an exchange that's in litigation with the SEC. No chance. I'm not putting it anywhere that doesn't have the scrutiny of a full-time regulator looking at each account on an ongoing basis. And the only place I can find that that's safe right now, as you've suggested, the most advanced regulator is in Canada. That's where the assets are going. And that's where they're staying until we get this, whatever you want to call it, shitstorm worked out because I'm not putting assets where they're not regulated. So just to be clear, you're, you're a Canadian, right? And these assets are currently in the United States and you're going to be moving these assets out of the United States into Canada. Yeah, well, let me, let me disclose. Let me be completely transparent. I'm an Irish citizen. I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm an Emirati citizen. I also have all kinds of assets and investments in the U.S. where I'm an investor and I pay tax. I can put these assets anywhere I want. I can choose any jurisdiction I want. I have access to the EU through my Irish passport. Obviously, I can put them in Dubai if I wish. The most advanced regulatory environment right now that I can find, the very first license ever granted worldwide was to BitBuy, that is a broker-dealer attached to a crypto exchange in Canada. In my opinion, 
that is the safest place on earth to put assets. So I, I can also see that it's also regulated as a public company. It's listed in Canada's Wonderfy. You're going to see billions of dollars leave unregulated exchanges looking for somewhere in the world where they can be put safely. And that right now is Canada. That's where and my why, assets are going. Why not just put them on, in cold storage? I mean, I'm assuming that a lot of your assets are not uh, um, working for you. you. You don't need to be accessing the, the, the assets daily. Why not just put them into a cold storage, uh, cold storage, cold storage custodian, etc.? It's a great question. Here's why. When you're working in an environment like mine, where you mark to market all your assets every 12 hours, including all the stocks, all the bonds, all the private equity positions, all the venture positions, all the crypto positions, every 12 hours, we need to mark to market that so that our financial services director can see them, make sure that we're not leveraged, for example. Then we have to report that to the auditor. Then we have to report that to the regulator of whatever jurisdiction they're in. That does, cold storage is not useful for that. You don't have the, the liquidity that, you're need, that you need. So, for example, if I want to, if I'm running a mandate, and here's a good example. Let's say I'm running a mandate that only allows up to 5% in, in uh, Bitcoin, 5% in Ethereum, 5% in Solana, whatever. And all of a sudden, the price is moving that 12 hours and I'm offside. I need to bring it down to be onside so that I'm staying in that diversified mandate. It's you very to hard to do that with cold storage, very hard. You need to be able to trade. Kev, I wanna take you to a, a video over here. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it a hundred times in the last couple of days. I'm gonna show it again, uh, specifically this video. Oh, and thank I, you very I, much. Trike, let me explain what how bottoms are made in any market. I don't care if you're in equities or in debt or in crypto or in real estate. You always need a big player to go to zero. That always helps, whether it's long-term capital or whether it's one of these crypto infrastructure companies. I would like to see, and I don't, I don't want this to happen, but it always gives you a good bottom when you get a large player over levered that goes to zero. And that always tends to be the beginning of the rebuilding process. So if you have to sacrifice someone who used too much leverage, and it's always leverage that does this, somebody's over levered, Positions are complicated, they're not transparent, they're not liquid, and they go to zero. Someone is out there on the brink of zero. That's okay. In fact, I'd argue that's a good thing when we get it. Now, do we get it? Okay, so you were arguing that someone has to go to zero. Um, I think what I want to get is a few things from you. The first thing is, why do you think that someone has to go to zero for this industry to turn? Why is that the thinking? To force regulation. We can't move forward without regulation. And we've been stalled out as the various regulators fight the turf wars over who should regulate what. For example, should stablecoin be regulated by the Fed that oversees currency or should it be regulated by the SEC? Or should it be regulated by the agency that does payment systems? While they fight, there's no regulation and we can't advance. I, I'm, 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 I feel terrible for all the retail investors that got wiped out here, but this whole industry can't advance as it should without regulation because we can't attract sovereign wealth and pension to it. They refuse to invest because they have no platform to do it on a compliant basis. And they're certainly not going to invest on an unregulated, uh, you know, rogue platform. I don't pick any one of them. Th these unregulated platforms are never going to get institutional capital after what's happened here ever. Not now, not ever. So the whole point is we need this regulation. In addition, crypto is not going away. It's too productive. It's too useful. It's, it, it provides a lot of 
services with transparency and lower cost than the existing systems do today. And I'm talking about, uh, you know, whether you want ACH or a SWIFT transfer or a FedWire, these things are really old and inefficient and very expensive. Just on payment systems alone, I'd like to use a stable coin for my businesses, and I intend to do that as soon as the regulations pass. Now, along with others, I'm not the only one, I'm going to be spending a lot more time in Washington really firing up my voice on getting this regulation through. I'm not the only person that's going to be doing this. I'm tired of waiting for it. I think we're very, very inefficient, and it's time to move. And this, this, this onion that's being unpeeled is going to get much worse by the time this is over. The amount of hedge funds, you just detailed one of them, there are countless others that are going to go to zero. So this is going to have a very, very powerful impact in terms of loss of capital. I want to show you a clip. Now, before I show you the clip, I mean, w- let's take it from where it comes. And it comes from Fox News. So we know that where Fox News sit on the, on the, on the uh, uh, Democrats versus Republicans. But just listen to the intro here. The Democratic Party finds itself in the middle of the biggest financial fraud case in U.S. history. A cryptocurrency company, you know, like the Bitcoin things, just lost $2 billion of its customers' money. They didn't just lose it in the market. It's just gone. Someone stole it. And the company called FTX just went bankrupt after they blew up $32 billion. The crypto market in chaos after the collapse of the FTX exchange with a new set of questions on where billions and billions of dollars went. A criminal investigation of its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, has been opened in the Bahamas. This is being called the worst disaster in the history of crypto. This is bigger than Bernie Madoff. But unlike Bernie Madoff, who was getting rich off a Ponzi scheme, the Democratic Party was getting rich off of FTX. Now, FTX came onto the scene in 2019, and it spent $10 million to put Joe Biden in the White House in 2020. And the guy running FTX, the second biggest Democrat donor in the midterms, after Soros, of course, spent $40 million to get Democrats elected. So they're spinning it around SPF and his political connections uh, with the Democrats. What are your views there? Do you think that that there is egg all over the Democrats' faces here? Because he has their biggest donor um, and no action was, was done. He was meeting with Gary Gensler. There are quotes that, uh, I mean, I, I, I want to just quickly show you one of these quotes. Um, uh, hold on a second to try and find these quotes. It says, uh, I want to be clear about saying the SEC was on the brink of offering relief and exemptions for FTX because FTX was, was considered an adult in the room in D.C. who said the right things and whose family had favorable political connections to Gary Gensler, who was asleep at the wheel. What do you think? Yeah, so I, I, I think it's, it's going to burn, this story will burn out in 48 hours, and I'll tell you why. Gensler's um, agenda and his calendar is public. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried made multiple uh, attempts in Washington to get regulation, particularly on options trading and derivative trading around crypto. Um, and he, he met with everybody. He was one of the loudest voices towards getting regulation because he wanted to be able to do it in the U.S. and have the same feature set that the international platform had um, in the U.S., which it didn't have. So if you, if you, in order to, to use all the, the features of the FTX platform, you couldn't do it in the U.S. You had to register it in another country. And so he was very, very active doing that. 
So I'm, look, obviously politics being what it is, they're going to try and make a big story out of this. But at the end of the day, I don't think this one has any teeth because you can find him meeting with both sides of the aisle, as many people did, going to Washington, trying to advance one of these digital bills, like the, the Digital Commodities Act or the Transparent Stablecoin Act. He, he was, and his team, uh, were very, very active there. They were in Washington all the time. So look, it's, it's obviously he gave more to the Democrats because his family is Democratic. And I got to tell you something on a more personal level, which, you know, obviously people don't want to hear right now, but I, I had a, I've, I've met Sam multiple times. I've, I talked to him last Thursday, actually, uh, when, when this thing was, you know, boiling over, trying to get the actual amount he was trying to raise, because there was a lot of interest in, in institutional and sovereign wealth at the time uh, in buying a piece of FTX before all the regulation, before the whole thing collapsed. But the, his parents, I mean, you've never met nicer people than that. Sam, if nine out of 10 people I talked to that have met him, don't think he has an evil bone in his body. The guy was a really interesting guy. Now, you know, look, he's going to have to suffer the slings and arrows, but um, I still like the guy. I'm, I feel very sorry for him, but I don't have a, he's a good person. And at the end of the day, he got himself in a bad place. So wait, let's go back. You were a big Sam proponent. You were a big FTX. You were publicly a very big proponent and a very big voice for FTX, even on our shows, you, you mentioned that that's one of your favorite investments in the space, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Don't you feel betrayed? Don't you feel scammed? Don't you feel like, you know, here was a guy who, as you say, came across as being the nicest guy in the world, but he was digging himself a 10, 8, 10, I don't know what the hole is. Nobody knows what the hole is. Let's call it eight because those are the reports in the media. After all is said and done, while the whole thing was collapsing, Sam Bankman-Fried came out and he said, he said, the, the assets are bigger than the liabilities. He came out and said that the FTX USA exchange was safe and had nothing to worry about. 24 hours before he declared chapter 11 in the, in the United States. And just to top it all off, just, you know, as if, as if not enough people have been impacted, destroyed, He's playing Twitter games and sitting in the Bahamas playing video games. I mean, how, how does that make you feel as, a, as someone who's been a voice, someone who has invested? And I take it that your investment now has been written down to zero, no? Yes, it was written down to zero over the weekend. Uh, I spoke to many other institutional investors who had assets on the platform. Uh, because we are audited in many cases by the same firms, uh, the auditing firms were talking to each other, the lawyers were talking to each other. Uh, we have to mark to market in our operating company every 12 hours, as I said earlier. So we mark to market on Monday morning at nine o'clock, zero on our investment in FTX International, zero on our investment FTX USA, zero on all assets which had disappeared from our accounts. So it's a, that was a tough day. That's a, that's a hit. But we have many, many investments. We have compliance that forces the discipline of diversification, both on positions and on institutions. We don't own all our crypto on FTX. We, we, we don't do that because that's not compliant for us in, in our rules and how we operate our business. So my biggest concern now, and I talked to the auditors about this, and we talked about this earlier, is where can I put them? And for now, it's Canada. 
It's BitBuy, account there. And now we are monitoring that account with the regulator beside us every day. It's the only country I can find that has such an advanced regulation. The OSC order is the, in my view, it's a personal opinion, the very best regulator in the world for crypto assets. And the oldest dealer broker there or broker dealer there is BitBuy. They've been regulated longer than anybody else. That's where I'm putting my dollars and my crypto. Yeah. How are you feeling? How are you feeling on a personal note? Here's a guy that you spoke to. Here's a guy that, that, as you said, came across as the nicest guy. Kev, he was he was building a Ponzi. He was. And well, after let, he- let, let, let's let's wait for the facts. But I'll, let, let's let me just uh, disclose for you because you're you're an advocate for he transparency. He was, you're an advocate he was, for. Tra- but let yeah. me finish this. You're an advocate for transparency. You have many followers. You dig deep. I like your style. I like what you do, which is why I'm happy to come on and talk with you. But let me walk you through last Thursday so that your viewers, you and I, both understand this. Thursday morning last week, when it was becoming clear that there was a six to eight billion dollar hole on the balance sheet and that ownership of FTX was on the table. It was clear from the CZ tweets and his communications that he was looking to buy 100% of FTX. Well, that woke up a lot of sovereign wealth and agents for sovereign wealth funds because $8 billion is a rounding error in a sovereign wealth fund. And often times in financial services when there's collapse and blood in the streets are some of the best investment opportunities. So... I put a message into FTX because I, you are right. I was a paid, for, paid spokesperson for them and an investor, and I knew the management. And a few minutes later, Sam called me back at around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And the only reason I put that call in was to confirm which number is it you're looking for. Is it $6 billion or $8 billion? He confirmed to me in a very rational conversation. It was short but rational. The number was $8 billion. I got back on the phone with all of the institutions that I work for in the indexing business that were asking me, what's the number? What are the terms? What's the number? While that conversation was happening by around three in the afternoon, that interview with Gensler at the SEC started to circulate worldwide. And it was clear that he was bringing out a very hard hammer onto the situation. The minute that happened, Every sovereign wealth fund backed off because they can't go offside with the SEC. They put most of their assets in the S&P 500. So after multiple phone calls back and forth, and the time zone was 12 hours to some of these countries, that was over. There was no option. I left a message for Sam saying that conduit is closed because of what's going on with the regulator in the U.S. That was the end of that. Can we blame, in a way, can we blame... Gary, again, can we blame the regulator again for coming out after the fact, try, being reactive and potentially destroying a bailout? You know, you're asking a good question because I'll tell you an interesting dialogue that was occurring between one and three that afternoon on Thursday. Most institutional investors didn't think you would need $8 billion because when you have a gated situation, when everybody's gated, there's a lot of pressure, but maybe only 50% or 60% of the people would actually remove the assets once you open them up again. And if you put in three or $4 billion, you could own all of FTX, which was valued a week before at $32 billion. So that could have been a possibility for a few hours until the regulators, not just Gensler, 
comments were coming out of all the different regulators. They were going to hammer this hard. And that's when all the institutional capital evaporated. So that is what happened on Thursday. Friday, you saw what happened over the weekend. The hack occurred. If it, in fact, is a hack, we have, you know, there's a lot of allegations. But I can tell you, as a, as a unit holder in an institutional account, it was cleaned out. There's nothing there. It's a zero balance. That's, now, what I don't know, let's be fair. Was it put in cold storage? Was it hacked? I have put my feelers into the company to ask for an answer. I have not heard anything back yet. Here it is. It's the hacker. He's buying up. He just He's become one of the biggest ETH holders in the world at the moment. Uh, he just bought, he just swapped a whole lot of die into ETH. Uh, I think he's ranked, uh, yeah, number 35, 35 biggest ETH holder in the world with 228,000 ETH at the moment. I mean, that's, that's you know, we, we're tracking the addresses. That's not cold storage. This is a, somebody who's trading and he's trading pretty actively. I mean, there's no doubt about that. that that's what the, the, beauty of, the beauty of blockchain is. But Kevin, I want to ask you a question. He admitted to the New York Times in an interview that Alameda was leveraged using users' funds and making venture investments. And in fact, he was quoted in the New York Times saying, maybe the venture investments weren't actually worth it. Now, this is someone who was using your money. You were depositing money in FTX. He was loaning the money to a company that he was publicly the owner of or co-owner of. And he was using your money to make investments in venture capital, which he blew up. I mean, that's, I, I know we're waiting for the facts, but that is what he said to the New York Times, quoted in the New York Times. Well, ha- having gone through and seen this movie before in my investment career, what I've learned to do is to wait for the facts. And so I can guarantee you every single token, every single dollar, every stable coin involved in this situation, by the time this is over, you will know what happened to it. You will know where which wallet is. We may, may never find out who's, who owns the wallet, obviously. You know that. But it'll all be disclosed. Now, that allegation is taking sweeping from accounts, corporate accounts, hedge fund accounts, operation companies' accounts, and investing them in speculative uh, venture investments. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that. Let's see if that's true. And if that's the case, or as others have alleged, this is a large margin call that occurred between Alameda and FTX. Let's find out if that's true. Let's find out if $2 billion was stolen. Let's find out if this hacker was an employee of FTX, as has been alleged. There's so much BS out there that is not based on any facts yet. We just got to wait. In the meantime, I'm going to sit back and let the onion be peeled like everybody else. I'm disappointed that we lost millions and millions of dollars, but we're a well-diversified operating company. Um, it's a hit, but we move on. And luckily, we make many great investments. The one lesson that I am going to be applying, and I've talked to many other institutions too, there is not a chance in hell I will ever put any crypto assets onto an unregulated dealer broker or broker-dealer exchange. And I will not put any assets in any platform that's litigating the regulator. I'm not doing any of that. And all of that capital is going to move in right now. Right now, it's going to move up to Canada, I think. And I'm not the only guy doing that. I can assure you, there are, there are a lot of people going under the umbrella of the SEC 
away from the uh, away from the SEC to the OSC up in Canada. It's the only country where you can feel safe about the account right now. So, Kev, um, have you spoken to Sam since Thursday or Friday? Have you spoken to him since after the liquidation, after the no, bank- no? I'm, I'm, you know, I've been very transparent on other networks about this. I spoke to him for about three minutes on Thursday to confirm the eight billion amount, so that I could talk to the various entities that were interested in the deal. Um, and okay. after I got the, you know, the no, basically after the regulators were all over the airwaves all around the world, uh, I said, I simply sent him a, a text and said that that conduit is shut down. There's no opportunity there. And that's the way we left it. And obviously, you know, he's in a, he's in a, he's in a shit storm right now. He's got to deal with it. Um, it is what it is. You've been very uh, vocal and transparent in pursuing as much information. I've been staying tuned with what you've been doing. As other, you know, th- th- this, this story's not over. There are so many pieces yet to fall. But I'll go back to that video you played 10 minutes ago. This event has a silver lining. This industry will emerge much better when this is over. It really will. The amount of regulation that's going to be forced into this, there's no question, is a, is a benefit is this to everybody. The, is this the bottom? Kev, is this, is this the, the, the bottom? Is this, this is it? Have, have, we, have we suffered enough? Have we seen the capitulation event, the bottom event? If you were, if you were deciding to allocate capital now when we've just had the eye of the storm and everything's in a wreckage and people are looking around and trying to find their way, would you say that this feels like a bottom? Yes, I do think it is the bottom, but here's what has to finish. We need the rest of the pieces or the rest of the pine cones to fall off the tree. There's many, many forced liquidations coming in the next 10 days. I would argue the time to reposition, and this is a really interesting conversation I had with our auditors yesterday over the weekend. Um, We are obviously going to be taking this as a write-off and it's a tax loss. There's no question about that. We're not going to reestablish our positions until 31 days later, because this is the first year where the IRS and other regulators, tax regulators around the world are treating this asset in the same way they they treat stocks. So I I would think there'll be a lot of selling between now and maybe mid-December, December December 15th. Um, I will be... I will be reestablishing uh, positions, but I'll tell you something else. I'll, I'll, what we're going to need here is to take the simplest act, and that is the transparency around the Stablecoin Act. Get that signed. That has nothing to do with Bitcoin or any other token, but it does signal that the regulator is now looking at payment systems like USDC. That will be very positive for the crypto market. And I anticipate that will happen in the next few months. And that's because that, you know, the midterms are over. The House is controlled by Republicans. That's what it looks like. And they, but, they are, they're more positive on getting this done. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a split, uh, it's a split government, which is, as you said, amazing for the markets. The markets are, are, are running down. Kev, I have one more question for you. I've got two more minutes with you in the interest of time. I watch Shark Tank. Uh, one of the things you've said repeatedly on Shark Tank is that you are happy and you prefer to back entrepreneurs that have failed before because they've got more experience, they've failed before. If SPF knocked on your door again and said, look, I failed in my last venture. Uh, I have a new crypto venture. I need money. Would you back him? 
That's a great question. No one's asked me yet. I think we can all admit you, you can love him or hate him given what's happened, but he was one of the most brilliant traders in the crypto universe. He also built one of the most robust platforms. We used FTX actively. It was a very robust platform uh, that allowed us to get information on a compliant basis. So I really like what he built. Um, would you back him? The answer would be yes. And I'll tell you how I would do it. I would do it in a different context. Um, he would not have operational control of the assets. He would have trading control. And you're going to find, assuming he doesn't get involved in a, um, in a bad situation somehow personally, that he will be found somewhere else in uh, crypto. I, I know all the players in the crypto market, and I'm just telling you, there's nobody quite like him. And, and, and I'm, you're asking, I'm, you know, I'm transparent, I'm honest. Yeah, I'm telling you, Sam Bankman-Fried is an unusual 1% person in terms of understanding how these assets work. And if I could put him on my team in a very straight vertical where he doesn't have the ability to move assets around, but has the ability to trade them. Yeah, I would. Do you think he's going to land up in jail? Don't know. I'll tell you why. Um, all, all of the institutions, including me, have hired various law firms um, over the weekend. I need to see the trading agreements. I will see them. I, I, I will, I'll see the agreements between FTX and Alameda and, and other outside entities. Uh, we don't know if he, what, what, what those agreements are because most people, you got to remember something. FTX and Sam were Americans. And a lot of people took comfort in that, including the largest financial institutions in the world. The cap table beside me as investors, there's, no, there's none like it. Every, I mean, the largest financial global institutions in the world were very comfortable to invest in FTX at a 32 billion valuation. Yes, we have egg on our faces, but we met the team, we met the parents, we met Sam, and for all the negative things being said about him, um, I don't know of a more productive in, and efficient and disciplined, for a while anyways, trader of, of crypto. And I've got to tell you something, there are very few that did, can do what he did. And look, that doesn't, does he end up in jail? No idea. Was he brilliant? Was he in the 1%? Yes, he was. And he still is. So I rest my case, Your Honor. We'll have to see where this goes. Kev, listen, love your work. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on Banter. It's such a crazy time. Uh, your family here. Thank you so much, my friend. Take really care. Bye-bye. Yeah, I love having him on. I, I, he's such a straight shooter to the point. Uh, yeah, some tough questions, but he's there. All right, listen, I've got some, some other stuff that I want to talk to you guys about. We've got about 10 minutes, and I really want to talk to you about good news because we've spoken about the bad news. We know where we are. We've got to build. We've got to rebuild. We've got to pick up the pieces. And let's talk about the good news. Let's just in this time, let's maybe zoom out and look at the good news. And there is a lot of good news. I think the first bit of good news that we had today was the PPI numbers, inflation under control. Second, 
We had the CPI numbers down. We've now got inflation under control over here, which means that when the Fed raise rates, we're probably looking at a 0.5 basis point rate hike and not a 0.75. That's one bit of good news. Some more good news. Finally, people are taking their money off exchanges. Mr. Wonderful's taking his money off exchanges. You guys are taking your money off exchanges. In fact, we had one of the biggest removals off exchanges that we've ever had this week, which is amazing because finally this industry is doing what this industry is supposed to be doing. Ledger had one of its biggest sales days ever. So finally, people are moving into cold wallets. This is all good news. What's also good news is that the decentralized players are exploding. Look at GMX. The average fees are a million dollars. Seven-day average fees, fees per day, $1 million a day. This thing is exploding. And if you look at GMX's price chart, it actually tells you that exact story. I think it was at 45 bucks earlier when I was looking, which, for, which is great because finally, decentralized exchanges are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And this industry is doing what this industry is supposed to be doing. DYDX also flying, $2.55. Guys, it was at $1.20 two, three days ago, which just shows you the level of, of, of opportunity that we have now with all of this. If you're looking in the right place, if you're looking decentralized, there are a whole ton of opportunities. Uniswap also increasing, increasing. Um, the other thing is, which I think is good news, the GBTC discount is at 40% which means that you're buying, but if you buy GBTC today, you're buying Bitcoin at 40% off. And you know who is buying Bitcoin at 40% off? Kathy Wood, she went and bought $2.8 million worth of GBTC shares. She could have bought Bitcoin, but she landed up buying uh, GBTC shares. That's also uh, some good news. Um, Solana, uh, I saw this chart, which compares Solana 2018 versus Ethereum 2018. Uh, I don't know how you, how you, treat fractals, but I mean, this is uh, something pretty cool to look at. Um, and then the last thing that I saw, which is probably worth sharing with you guys, is Snowden. So Snowden's been out the market for a long time. He says there's still a lot of trouble ahead for, for the first time. I'm starting to feel the itch to scale in. And Edward Snowden, we know, has been a long-term proponent of Bitcoin, but he, he, he famously sold out because he said the market was treated. And now he's saying that he may actually start dollar cost averaging in. So there is good stuff happening. Let's not lose sight of all the good stuff that's happening. Um, all righty. I will see you guys again tomorrow. Remember, we are running that, uh, that special for people who were uh, affected by FTX. You go to buy, but you sign up, you get double the referral bonuses, um, which, by the way, we're funding. Um, we have a BitGet trading competition. We're going to have three teams, Team Kyle, Team Sheldon, and Team Run. And that's the big BitGet trading competition. There's a link below to BitGet sign up. Uh, we will pick a team and that our teams, which I think 11 people per team, will be uh, will, will participate in their global trading competition. Um, I think that's it for today. Let's chat again tomorrow. I, um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm also going to be on Mario Spaces later on. I'm, I'll, I've been a regular on Mario Spaces. I love, love the guy, great guy. Um, he's been doing amazing things for the space with the live coverage. I'll be back on his spaces later. So join me later on his spaces. Until then, see you guys tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends. Have fun. Stay safe. Yo, yo, yo. Oh.
Hold on. Let's play a song for let's play a song for the guests here while we while we let them JP go. Morgan of this generation. Sam Bankman Freed's FTX. The Michael Jordan of crypto, if you will. <laughs> I'm here with my boy Sam from FTX. We're at Crypto Bahamas Conference. Where it began. <laughs> 